Joel and I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land upon which we stand, the Wurundjeri people and the Kurnagana people respectively. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hello legends, welcome to the Cinemangs podcast, brought to you by Space Quasars. This episode is co-hosted by the magical man, Mephalium Mew and Manette. That's my name. Says it on my space birth certificate <laughs> where I was born. In Uranus. This In is a special episode. Space episode. Of the show. <laughs> it's not a space episode. <laughs> this is uh, our Pride Month episode. Yeah, um, Pride Month. Woo! Um, and... <laughs> Um, we do a, we do we do a fair bit of queer cinema on the show yeah. anyway. Well, a lot of cinema um, is inherently queer if you want to get really into it. Let's get into it. Why no, are you saying that's that? Not, no. Um, yeah, we do a bunch of gay movies and they're great and they're fun and they're cool. Mm-hmm. And we love them. I think I just really like I just like romantic movies as a whole. I have come yeah. come into my uh, my love for romantic movies in the last couple of years. I think I think like looking back on the timing of it and it makes sense. I started really enjoying romantic movies like after the first time I fell in love, which yes tracks, you know, like that, that makes sense. And I think, yeah, I, there's just a, they're a good And time. I'm not sure I've done that. So I don't enjoy them as much. Right. Well, you and I really like uh, coming of age films, which yeah, is you, something everyone's done. That's <laughs> true. That's after true. a certain age. So, yeah. and also you hate kissing so that you would dislike these movies and coming of I age don't movies. Mind. I like, I like kissing. You hate kissing, dude. You, you told me just before the show, you were like, don't talk about any of the lip stuff. Cause I hate that. It's yuck. I just like to keep it to myself. Keep the kisses on my own lips. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, I feel you, fold bro. them over. Yeah, every time you close your mouth, you kiss yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm doing that right now. That's as I speak. Up. Stop it. Okay. Don't, sorry. don't put that explicit content in this audio show. It's called uh, auto auto kissatio. Auto show. Um, what have you been <laughs> up to, man? Kiss. So last night. So tomorrow, um, spoiler alert. <laughs> Those were two different Earth. times you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Last night, tomorrow. Uh, so tomorrow, spoiler alert for the people on Earth is the winter solstice. And that is great. Ooh. But I can't really celebrate it with my friends because I'll be working on Monday. And then yeah. all my friends live an hour, witch you know, over an hour away. Yeah. So I can't go up to Witchtown to witch it up, unfortunately. So, I f- so last night I did... Um, a little fire and did some little meditation and drank some old wine. Yeah. Um, in in the spirit of the winter solstice, it's beautiful. Um, Why'd you do it two nights before the winter solstice? Because tonight would be the night to do it. That or tonight or tomorrow night would be the night to do it. Do it. Uh, but I have to go to sleep at a reasonable time yeah, on those nights. That's fair to do an adult living. So. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe why. all of your workmates will want to also drink mulled wine and have a small fire at your work. <laughs> I actually was in a car park um, on the way home from Melbourne yesterday and my workmate pulled up beside me, like just out of nowhere. He just happened to be in the same service service station. Um, and I was like, that's a really cool car. Oh, wait, it's him. And then <laughs> and then uh, he was like, hey, are you going to celebrate that thing tomorrow? And I'm like... Well, I'm working for you, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he was aware um, of it. That's cool. Yeah, he was actually. Um, this is so off topic, but he was he was talking about how 
he doesn't understand why you would celebrate the longest day of the year or whatever it is, <laughs> why, why that would be a good thing. Or like when it gets like cold, he doesn't understand why you would celebrate that. Um, yeah. So I'll explain I, that to him later. That does but make sense. A, it does make sense that you would be like, what? Yeah. With this. But yeah. yeah. I think um I think uh my partner was telling me about something recently like there was a, a t- start of story is rough but it gets nicer um I think that in in our hometown there was like a person that, a young person that committed suicide c- completed suicide and um their family now has like a fundraiser um night thing I can't remember the details of it but essentially the idea is that it's a gathering on the winter solstice every year to like help people uh, come together and survive the longest, darkest night of the year together, which I think is yeah. a really nice idea because the winter solstice is, uh, I mean, to me, it's mostly just like my friends do cool witchy shit, but it is also the longest, darkest night of the year, which is kind of yeah. scary because that's when all the werewolves come out in the dark. But here's, here's what I would say in response to that and what I'll probably talk about with my boss is that I you know, it's the longest day and night of the year, then um, if you don't want to celebrate that, then you're sort of not celebrating life, aren't you? Because you just That's get to true. live more. That's true. and the, It's only that, slight anyway. You don't really fucking tell the difference. No, I can see. I'm like, fuck. You can see it? It's long. It's, yeah, I, can see the, I can see the light. I'm like, ah, I got an small. egg timer in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> Winter solstice time, time to get out the egg timer again. Mm. Um, Use it as a butt. Yeah, so speaking of witches, uh, Wong Kar Wai is not a witch. He is a person who directs films. And he Mm -hmm. directed Happy Together, which is a romance movie from a year that is 1997, the year of our Lord 1997. Great year for Wong Kar Wai and Happy Mm -hmm. Together, the movie. This movie is very difficult to research because every time you fucking Google Happy Together... That song by the Turtles comes up, which I also the Turtles. It's called. Their I believe band you're is looking the for the, the band the Leopards, the Leopards, <laughs> the Doggies. <laughs> no, that band is called the Turtles. That's like really? a fucking yeah. They're just they're called the Turtles. So happy together. That's that the one. Yeah, it's from. Uh, well, that's think, so happy together. Whereas this is happy together. No, it's called happy together. Isn't it? Oh, well, that's bullshit, isn't it? Yeah, they didn't add an extra word garbage. into the, t- the top <laughs> They've of it. tricked me. They've pulled the wool over my eyes yet again. Um, yeah, they have the same name, but also this that song plays at the end of this movie, so it's kind of, uh, you know, it's a feature. Yeah. There's connections. Um, and, yeah, we watched the movie. Uh, was this your yeah. first time watching it? Yes, this is my first time watching it. It was um, also my first time watching it. When was the first, like, mention, like... Is the first time you first... you've seen a Wong Kar Wai film? It is, yes. I haven't seen In the Mood Wait. for Love, which he is... I think it's Wong Kar Wai. I'm going to say Wong Kar Wai. You say Wong Kar Wai, and then we'll, one of us will be right. Well, the, the, the stuff I was watching about him, um, because he's uh, a bit of a deep cut in terms of cinema stuff, I, don't, I, th- I think I've only ever talked to him about it with friend of the show, uh, Finn Griffin. Yes. And... He would be the other person I've ever heard say that films. name. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, just based on the video essays and stuff, it's uh, why, way. <laughs> I don't know. Way? <laughs> I can't even way? remember it at this point. Way. Right. Yeah. Okay. We are right, we'll sorry. 
Wonka. Sorry, everyone. Anyway, is this your first time watching one of his movies? It is, yeah. I haven't seen In the Mood for Love, which is his uh, probably most famous movie. Um, That's like, you know, renowned. If you go on IMD, Letterboxd, it's like, like, you know, top 10, literally in the top 10, like top five even. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen that one either. I'm saving it till I've seen more of the films. Cool. Uh, I recommend to you especially to watch... Um, Fallen Angels because that's his most like ah, cool. highly stylized and really cool and uh, Tumblr feeding. <laughs> I <movie>. love Tumblr. <laughs> I <laughs> go on Tumblr, Tumblr every day to look at porn gifts. <laughs> yeah, um, well, they took it away. So yeah. no. Um, yeah, I I don't like. I don't really didn't really know much about Wonka Wai before this. I still don't. I the only mention I'd seen of this movie was in. One of my favorite video essays ever. It's from um, uh, Like Stories of Old, which I think I've talked about yeah. a little bit on this podcast. They uh, they did a video essay basically just about how like LGBTQI plus uh, romance movies, uh, like the wave that we're experiencing of them right now, particularly is just like amazing. It's so, so special. Um, and yeah. not even, I mean, right now being the last 20 years, because this movie was from 1997 and it was mentioned in that essay. Um, and it's sort of just well, like I once a, said that I once said that movies like this started being a thing in the early 2000s, which is so stupid. I said that on the show, probably <laughs> in like the seventies is when this yeah, like really sure. started yeah. taking hold. But like um, a lot of those movies probably didn't gain like big media traction until yeah late like 90s, even when early. this was released it was quite controversial especially yeah. in china yeah no kidding because um, it takes place in between he, he's a hong kong cinema legend like yeah. that's his almost all of his films are at least are based in or partly based in hong kong um and this one's between hong kong and buenos aires yes um based on a book called love and what uh, Love and Buenos Aires or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's um, called The Buenos Aires Affair. That's it. That's it. Um, and, yeah, at the time, quite controversial. I don't know too much about that. He was He's an independent uh, filmmaker who has, from what I understand, um, not done well box office success-wise, but everyone in the cinema world loves him so much that he just keeps getting like Quentin Tarantino funded funds his movies and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I first heard of this film from, um, I think probably the first time I saw anything from this particular film was gay Tumblr back in the day. Yeah. Um, Because the dancing, the dancing scenes were like all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, that and was that's also the clip that was in the video essay that I was talking about. Yes, it's it is quite beautiful. I, I so am, beautiful. Yeah, and I was kind. It's kind of one of those things where I was like, I was waiting for it to happen in the movie because I knew it was coming. <laughs> and there's that sort of like the yeah, there's like a couple of dancing scenes, and the first one I was like, oh yeah, I guess that was nice. And then there's an, another one sort of between different people, I think, and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then when like the dancing scene happens yeah. close to the end. I was like on the verge of tears. Like, yeah. man, it's it's very powerful. But um, I have to admit something. Admit um, something. I'm you don't like I, this movie? No. Um, <laughs> no. I, no, this movie is great. And 
Unfortunately, I haven't given it a fair run, though, because I had, like, a real issue while I was trying to watch this movie, which happened over the course of about four days, unfortunately, because my internet was just being very bad at the time. Oh, okay. Um, which meant that I, I kept getting, like, you know, watching for 20 minutes and then it would just stop loading and I yeah. would just be screwed over because I watched it on uh, the Criterion channel, which... Uh, is great because I just got a uh, VPN, so now I can go, nice. and use, go and use that, and it's really cool. Actually, I need to cancel my subscription now. I'm thinking about that. <laughs> so I don't get charged a fucking thousand dollars, whatever nice. the hell. Um, yeah, so my viewing of this movie is probably going to be the most flawed out of anyone we've ever seen uh, or done a podcast about, sorry, because, uh, yeah, it was so broken up between bits but luckily uh Wong Kar Wai often has a style of filmmaking where you don't really need to follow the plot very much yeah absolutely Um, in other films he doesn't even write a script until like he's shooting the movie (laughs) yeah I read that too Um, which is the difference with this one is that it's based on a book so there's bits taken out of the book and there's the the structure from that which is also a non-linear structure, yeah. which is especially crazy when you're <laughs> um, <laughs> watching it for over the, over the space yeah, no of kidding. four days <laughs> in and out of... I started to watch... I, I first, like, sat down to watch it, uh, more laid down to watch it because I, I did it in the bathtub. I was like, oh, I'm going to have a nice little yeah. weird time in this tub. Um, and then uh, it stopped loading, so I, then I had to not do that anymore. Then I watched it, like in the back room in my house and then I watched it like by the fire and, <laughs> and, and then in Just my bed. So, experience, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, it gave, it gave me, give me that little, little story. Um, so how did you, yeah, you, you say that like, you don't really have to follow the plot. How did you feel upon the end? Like, cause I, I watched it with a couple of housemates and, we sat there watching the credits and it was one of those nice moments where the credits come on and no one moves. Everyone's just sort of sitting there taking it in. And then one of my housemates goes, man, it was like a studio Ghibli movie. It was so beautiful, but nothing happened, (laughs) which I don't (laughs) agree. I think a lot of things happen in studio Ghibli movies, but I do agree with that, that, uh, not much happens in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Not much happens. They're kind of just there and they fight a lot. And then one of them leaves and then there's another guy. And then there's <laughs> other ones. And, yeah. and when you're watching it over the four days, you don't really <laughs> yeah, you know. Don't know who's who. <laughs> I, I straight up was so confused at bits and I was just like, I, so I need to get this movie watched for the show. It's also a movie that I wanted to watch for yeah. a while. It's been deep in my, in my list for a while. And I'm like getting quite frustrated about that. But I was just like, uh, you know, in terms of Fallen Angels, we'll use that for example, is so has so much of an aesthetic prowess that I was just like, at least I could just soak that in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk about that at least. And talk about, you know, there's scenes with um, different forms of romantic connection. Um, so I can at least like discuss that. There's mm-hmm. the um there's the opening where uh they're in bed together. And one of them wants to like cuddle and the other one's like, no, I don't want to cuddle (laughs) and stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, that's like very relatable to different times of life and not something you really see in movies often at all. It is very like, I mean, honest, I feel like is a shitty buzzword for a lot of pieces of art, but like 
I think the way the depiction of, um, especially with the way this movie uses cuts, like that scene you're talking about in the beginning, I'm pretty sure has like very minimal cuts. Yeah. And it's just straight up like one static shot of them fucking for a while. Yeah. And it's very, and it opens immediately with a yeah. big fuck. Yeah, with a big great. fuck. <laughs> um, and uh, throughout the rest of the movie, there's like really sort of um, Game, jarring. That's what's for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's really sort of like jarring and uh, like a lot of cuts everywhere. I just forgot how to yeah. speak. Um, nice. But yeah, so I, your tea I, it, too it is, <laughs> it, my tea's too tasty, can, man. Tongue can't navigate. My tongue's <laughs> navigate. Um, <laughs> It's fucking every time I try and get on a point. <laughs> every time I'm trying to try try and get on a point on this show, you just say a word weird, and I'm like, "Ha!" He said a word weird, and then I forget <laughs> what I'm talking about. Anyway, Sorry. yeah, no, it's uh, it's nice. It's very, it is honest. I don't have a synonym for right now, but it is very like um, sort of realistic in its depiction. I think. Um, yeah. That said, I don't know. Uh, like I, I haven't been in an abusive relationship or a, like a very toxic one, like the one that's yeah. in this movie, but I had a really interesting um, sort of revelation after I watched this, realized that I didn't really like, I've finished it and I was like, I don't know if I like that movie. <laughs> and yeah. I realized that I love this movie for its moments, which I think is probably very similar to the experience of having been in like a toxic or unhealthy relationship, right? Like you, you didn't really like the thing. And when you were in it, there was a lot of time you spent when you're like, fuck, I wish this was over. But looking back on specific moments, it's so fucking beautiful. Like there is some moments of this movie, particularly where I'm like, like the dancing scene and um, I wonder what Hong Kong looks like upside down and then cuts to Hong Kong upside down. Just some of them were like, wow, that's so fucking beautiful. And mm-hmm. so I, I sort of wrote down those thoughts following the movie and I found myself just like making a list of the good bits, right? Like making a list of the things, those, those bits that yeah. supported my love of this movie. And I realized that, uh, someone a relationship that I was once in her and I did that for each other we wrote each other letters and just wrote lists of moments throughout our relationship that we loved and it it wasn't necessarily like a toxic or unhealthy relationship but like just that that collection of all of that like self-imposed rose-tinted glasses thing like that yeah. just reminder of like remember these little moments is fucking intoxicating like and i think that is what has brought me around on this movie now like a few days removed from it i'm like man just for those moments i adore this movie you know so mm-hmm. yeah and i think that that as you were saying earlier that there's a very it's pointed the fact that they have it like that where it's there's moments of this sheer beauty there's moments that are quite inane and then there's like bits that are like a uh, bit violent and toxic and and um or and bits that are almost um well I can't really even comment cuz I was about to say don't make much sense but I don't know if they make sense in context of watching yeah, the movie man, <laughs> well I, I was going to say it's up to your interpretation but also you did watch it in an insane way so <laughs> um but what I'm trying to say is that 
it, which sort of reflects how you would have a relationship that is both between two cities and uh, and with one of the, and like on and off, and yeah. then also, uh, you know, between an oppressive society uh, for what your yeah what your um what your relationship is, which in this case is the gay yeah um yeah, it's really good at doing that. I think that. He, there's a um what Chun- chunking express wait i might be getting the wrong one but there's a one car way film where the point of it when he started making it he wanted to tell three love stories across one film mm-hmm. and like weave in and out of them um and he plays with that sort of like um going back and forth thing quite a bit in his movies um, he didn't get to do that, unfortunately. He, he shoots shit so like gorilla and for such a strushing budget for what it is that he just didn't have time to or the resources to have the third third relationship. So it's just two. Mm-hmm. And then Fallen Angels is that third one that he didn't get to ah, do cool. in the in the in the other ones. Uh um but also, you know, souped up a bit because that one's that movie's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, um and yeah, this sort of feels like that in a way too, where of it there's like you know, um, I can't even tell who the main character is. I would say that uh, I'm going to use like yeah. Well, I mean, it's there's lie there isn't and there's one. Hope. Yeah, it's it's kind which of which is the one who is like more loving and dominated. Um, well, I it seems to me like they kind of they kind of alternate occasionally like lie yeah. Fi is the one who they have different love languages for sure yes which is sort of what is the idea is between the relationship and why it's like sort of dysfunctional yeah um Laifi is played by tony lung and he is the one who like has the apartment and stays and works in the kitchen and stuff whereas yes. um hopa wing is the one who like injures his hand and stuff so um yeah i but and they go off and both have different other relationships too in the course of the movie. Yeah. Which is sort of like telling, which is true to life as well, telling those love stories um, as a separate thing to the main love story between the two, but at the same time having it be part of the over ogre 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 the overarching oh no the there's an ogre in the movie uh, get him out of there uh, what's he doing in there gay <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah and i want to talk about peter uh not peter doyle uh christopher doyle christopher uh, do you doyle. know about christopher doyle i have seen his name mentioned but tell me about him so Christopher Doyle is an Australian cinematographer. Christopher Crawl. Um, he is why these films look the way they do. You know, uh, obviously Wong Kar Wai and, and the rest of the people working on the film mm-hmm. have a lot to do with it too. But yeah. he is um, the cinematographer. So uh, often uh, Wong uses like uh, quite monochrome um, with like multiple lenses on the camera and fucking with different colors of light and will will is not afraid to have almost no light at all in a scene to like be and, and is constantly using light and the uh lens and even um even the aperture and to to express the feelings of the characters in his movies and it's like the to me the best at doing that uh thing of of having the 
uh, having the aesthetic match the emotion being felt is like just incredible at doing that. And that is in no short, um, short amount mm. owed to, <laughs> uh, in no short amount owed to is what we'll go for. Uh, Christopher Doyle, who is an Australian cinematographer, as I just said, who has worked with Wong Kar Wai, um, M. Night Shyamalan. Um, ah. He's also worked with Gus Van Sant. stands for mid? Yeah, because midway through the movie, you go, what am I watching? (laughs) I I don't know why you're watching this. He's worked with uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky, one of my favorite directors, on Endless Poetry, which is, I believe, his most recent film. Um, He's worked with fucking... He's also worked with On Limits of Control. He's worked with Jim Jaramouche, too. Damn. (laughs) He's basically worked with all the coolest directors there are. <laughs> yeah. And M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> oh, Alex. No, M. Night had some good stuff. And yeah, it won. Well, he had Sixth Sense and some other movies. He had, did you he had one Lady and in then the that's the movie that uh, <laughs> was shot by Christopher. Really? Oh, my yes. God. No, I that's have not watched it. I wouldn't. Really <laughs> strange, fucked up movie. <laughs> yeah. I watched it as a child. Yeah. There's a and he did a. He did uh, Rubber Proof Friends as well. Oh, Rubber Proof Friends. That's great. Which is a He's... great movie that they make us watch as kids. <laughs> yeah. That's um, that's good. cool. But yeah. I, it's just like reminds me He's how cool. unsung cinematographers are because like, yeah. like there's so many cinematographers who, are, I mean, I guess it's just like that's what working on a film set when you're not the writer or director is right. Like Quentin Tarantino's movies are Quentin Tarantino movies, but they're also everyone else's fucking movies too. So, you know, they're just, uh, cinematographers are important. So we should, it's just, and we've talked about this hard, uh, hard before. We talked talked about about this this before. (laughs) We've done a huge fucking scream about it. We, we sort of uh, yanked it out and then we sort of put on our cock rings and squeezed a little (laughs) bit of words out of it. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's hard to talk about every fucking person in the film. So you end up, yeah, uh, or that made the film. So you end up just being like, and this one person, the did costume all of this. designer was good. Yeah, <laughs> and shout out to the makeup director. <laughs> yeah. And then we just say their name. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's what you want. He's also just like very uh, present in the Hong Kong. Uh, uh, Cinema? Oh, that movie too? Yeah, Hong Kong what cinema. Did, what else did he do? Um, Invisible Waves, oh. which I believe is, is it's a pen egg. Re- uh. Now say <laughs> <laughs> You got halfway through, man. You can do it. Nah. All right. <laughs> anyway. I, I don't even want to try because I'm just going to make a fool of myself out of myself. And I, I, I don't do that enough anyway. Um, That's true. You're do you know, pinnacle of respect. Yes. Um, yeah, he lived in Hong Kong. Uh, in fact, uh, I think a couple of the move, of One Calm Away movies, they used his house his, oh, as sick. a set. That's cool. Um, and there's this like little YouTube video where he, he, first of all, this guy seems like, one of the most like fun sort of aloof people I've ever seen like video of because he's introduced in this like short documentary I watched um, as like behind a bar at a restaurant <laughs> sort yeah. of 
sort of singing and grabbing drinks and trying to make drinks for yeah. everyone at the bar. And and then and then they like go back to his his apartment, which is this like, you know, reasonable apartment for uh for being in Hong Kong, one of the for most overpopulated cities in the world. Um uh and he is just like Never let people shoot in your house because they just steal things <laughs> and they ruin everything. Oh, and sad. then he and then he grabs a toy plane and starts dancing with it and rolling around on the couch and like <laughs> and directing he's like clearly directing the the whoever's filming this to like film at weird angles and stuff because he loves doing that shit. <laughs> is he just like super drunk? He seems to be Yes. That's great. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, but I can't tell for sure. Um, it's very interesting because he does, uh, or they do, uh, Wong has his films shot in quite a guerrilla style where it's like on the street and without permits necessarily and, and which allows, you know, a lot of a lot of um, interesting, an interesting keel to the creative process um, where they were talking about how like some places they fucking shoot they have to get in and out in 10 minutes because otherwise people just get really fucking angry with it that they've got a film <laughs> yeah. film set there. That's great. Um, yeah, film crew rather, not film set. Um, probably be an extremely stressful workplace. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they were talking about the differences between Hong Kong cinema and um, and Chinese cinema and, and being the biggest one being the structure where – in Hong Kong, you can make a film without much structure at all, but in China, it's like really hard to make a film without like heaps of bureaucracy and yeah, and, interesting and a very set plan, mm. um, especially when you get funding from uh, Chinese interests. Yeah, um, which is I imagine uh, largely why Wong seems to get funding from you know outside interests like yeah. America and things like that, yeah. um, so he can sort of do whatever the fuck he wants, yeah. which is great. And work has worked very well for him. Um, so that's a few things I've learned from watching random videos. Yeah, and that's I was what you say. Got. He also fucking directed uh, a, a cinematographized made by John Favreau. Oh, what? Dude, yeah. he's worked with everyone. That's great. He's worked with all the cool dudes. All the dudes. And no and women. John Favreau. Teams. That's true. <laughs> yeah, well. Oh, he did dumplings too? Like the Pixar short? No, the uh, <laughs> horror film. Oh. There's a horror film called Dumplings. Yes, great. Sounds great. Is it? It's one you would have actually horror? seen because I remember seeing it in our local um, uh, video, video hire yeah. place, um, and being like, "That looks scary." <laughs> <laughs> no, I would only do that with Hellraiser. I would go and look at all those pins on his head and go, "Why did you do that? That looks bad." What about that one where those women were in the shape of a skull? Was it Skull Ladies? <laughs> no, I I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> was it Desperados Two? I think that's a video yeah. game. I don't know. Um, yeah. So he's a cinematographer and he's good, and he worked with yeah. everyone. That's crazy. Worked with the cool dudes. How do you um? How do you feel about this movie as like highfalutin cinema kind of thing? Because I, I finished it and I was like, like the people that I watched it with were, um, they're, they're not, you know, they weren't huge movie fans. They know their movies, but like 
when I asked them if they wanted to watch a black and white movie, they were like, ah, no, nah, probably not. And I was like, all right, well, um, and I don't know. They, they finished it and were like, okay, what is, what does it mean? I was like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> like it's, it's definitely a cinema. It's a cinema film. Right. And I don't know. I feel like to, to some people, like it's just not good. And because it's, it's, I mean, it's got the whole like gatekeeping art thing where it doesn't really seem to mean anything or like have a real story, but then people come out and be like, that was the best piece of, film I've ever experienced in my life and like this yeah. is very highly rated and everything but also I mean yeah like it's not ha- entertainment ha- it's art well yeah that's a, that is a good way to put it actually that's very so, true and I guess we've gotten used so to I, which is something I've been being... thinking about quite a lot a lot of the films that I've I tend to watch at the moment I watch for the artistic value mm-hmm. rather than the entertainment value and um I was actually talking to someone um, on the weekend about this, about how that can be a bit frustrating in a way because I don't get the same thing out of a film anymore sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 the it's the density of anything. Like fucking, if you only drink coffee like you know two times a year, you don't really care what the fuck it tastes like. You just want caffeine in your blood, with some, some sugar and milk or yeah. whatever the hell. But when you get really into coffee, milk, then you can you know taste the different the different flavor profiles that's true. stuff like that. That's a good analogy. So it's like, it's, it's like, it's like anything. It's like, you know, a lot, most, the majority of the population don't want to go to a gallery and look at paintings, but pa- galleries and painters are still successfully su- successful within our society. So obviously the people that are into that thing get really fucking into it. Yeah, that's true. Because it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, it definitely isn't inviting I guess. Yeah, um, it's not quite. And I think I think you just you nailed it on the head with like art versus entertainment because yes, a lot of people. I think most of like big cinema right now is entertainment, right? Because it's yeah. it's open and it to always has been. everyone. Yeah, that's true. I guess. Yeah. But like the most the most successful or the most viewed thing. I yeah. Guess. Uh, but in the same way, normally that, you know focused on entertainment first. Yeah, but in the same way that like an abstract painting versus the hunger games books are like very different. <laughs> like one of them is <laughs> one of them but, is entertaining. And one of yeah. them, I like, I keep coming it's back not, to the phrase, like, but they're both, they're both in both. Yeah. But I, I don't know the, it makes you think thing being applied to like abstract art is yeah. not like it's, I don't think it's as simple as that. I just don't have the, haven't come up with a phrase that says, um, I can't summarize abstract art in one phrase, so fucking shoot me. Um, but yeah, just like I can, it's an abstraction. Nice. Um, yeah, but the movie often of reality. <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel funny, and I don't. It's yeah. like I, I just finished that movie, and I was left with this thought: like, man, I don't know if I like that, but also it's like so Good. fucking different to like Iron Man 2 you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> like it gives me yeah. such a different feeling or like it, I mean it gives I think me it's a feeling like, full stop people often talk about it's like you know different music is suited to different mind states right you know you have like uh, psych rock from the 70s that's like suited tailored to, to being on acid yeah and you've got like heavy metal which is tailored to like maybe like testosterone or 
or even just you know or breakfast just time getting anger yeah or whatever it is and it's, then you so have it's, Dr. it's just Dre's about like 2001 which is for after breakfast time yeah it's for when you have lots of cereal <laughs> and then i have <laughs> my weird owl collection which i only listen to when i'm taking a poop <laughs> I've um, got my Weird Al my Weird Al TV in the bathroom and I play it every time I'm in there watch all those funny videos yeah or you have like Dad Rock which I is enjoyed with six a beer hours a day. or a country which is enjoyed with an egg on a sandwich that's true um, they love eggs out in that damn country they do that I like a flipped up and tough town <laughs> yeehaw I love me an egg <laughs> um, and it's the same thing with you know uh, film and when I am in the mood to come home and watch a fucking Igmar Bergman film where I don't even understand what the fuck's going on yeah, <laughs> um, because I haven't even w- watched it with English subtitles, but I'm cool to do that because I just want to look at it and experience it. But then there's the time I want to go come home. I'm like, I'm going to rewatch Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Sometimes, even though I might, think that it's stupid I want, um it's entertaining so yeah that's I the want point two hours of leonardo dicaprio wearing suits and polo shirts ah i um, and that's and that's the thing like i think that uh it's just different purposes i guess yeah, um, yeah but it does sometimes you do feel sometimes when you watch these more we'll say highfalutin um because we're on the cowboy ting that's true um oh, i wish i didn't say that ting thing um ting. it's all right we can <laughs> um, cut out everything that you said in this episode except for no. the word ting okay <laughs> that'll just be what we release <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah i forgot what the fuck i was saying um well i'll talk then. oh no you get the feeling like fuck oh what, the fu- what am i doing watching this like if i'm not like actually getting supercharged by it or yeah. whatever um and then you're like oh because it makes me think and it lets me learn and and then you're like oh maybe i should fucking do something else that does those things that yeah i get a bit more out of but it's like yeah you know we only have a certain amount of time on the model call and <laughs> yeah but you know is that and funny you wanna, do you like that one you want to you want to do it well, i said it wrong yeah so <laughs> um uh, so you want to do the things that you like and i really like the movie so yeah. i want to keep watching movies yeah yeah i so on that topic i watched um Bo Burnham's Inside last night, which is a um, Netflix comedy special. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's sort of marketed as a comedy special, but like it's more like a Doom production. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's more like a it's like a display of like mental health issues and also some funny songs. <laughs> yeah, but which is what his uh, his comedy has always been. Yeah, and this is just like the fucking next <laughs> echelon yeah. of that. But that's um, also very much like, point. it's not necessarily a cohesive thing. I suppose it's different because like comedy specials can be far more, um, they're not necessarily about telling a story. They're more just like snippets and, and like single acts, but it normally was, comedy specials aren't filmed like this. Yeah, absolutely. Well. It's not. Yeah. It's a very, very, very strange one, but it's like, yeah. there's a lot of just, like still shots where nothing is happening and it's not necessarily, yeah. it seems like, you know, you could argue that they're just like filler shots, but it kind of right. reminds me of the waterfall shot in happy together where it's just meant for you to like, just look and just experience yeah, this. I love that. Yeah. Shot. I, Those shots yeah, so much. I adore them. And like the, 
uh, in in inside it's, it's also about... so different to everything else that's going on and which is a yeah, yeah, yeah. point of like in both of these things inside and this movie that it like breaks it up massively gives you a moment to think about what's going on yeah gives you a moment to like just observe and not have any of your other senses sort of um get filled um yeah like and movies i guess um it's not the most it's used quite often in movies the technique of just having like a, a shot that not much is going on and it's like quite different to everything else but not as poignantly as in this film i feel because it's like the rush of emotions you know life continuing to flow on all mm. these different metaphors you can draw from from it or you yeah. can just sit there and look at the waterfall yeah 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 i like that that waterfall shot was one of those ones where like as it kept going i started smiling and i was like yeah this is very purposeful and i'm thinking with my brain it's beautiful also the music was fantastic throughout the whole movie yeah. the music was fantastic but like particularly for that shot i was just like man i am wrapped up in a blanket of movie time right now but yeah i i i did like it i'm just i i'm i'm in a back and forth of whether I like the movie or like whether I just sort of respect it as like, yeah, it's, it's art and it made me think and feel things. I did like the, the stuff with Chang at the end, which I think is like symbolic of the, I, I mean, no, the, the waterfall is symbolic of that, which is like the, the moving on, like shit just keeps happening. Um, yeah. And the Chang's thing about um, he goes to the lighthouse at the, the southernmost point of South America or something, I think it was. And uh, he says something like, I promise Fire I'd leave his sadness here. Um, and then he plays the recording of Fire's voice, but it's just Fire sobbing into the, the microphone, which is like, Chang doesn't seem to understand at the time, but it's like, oh man, you really are leaving his sadness there. Yeah. Also the, the voice recording thing, the listening thing is great. Like, I think that's yeah. really, really nice. That is just like, yeah. like you mentioned before, that's just like a, it's another like sensory aspect of relationships. It's just like listening to people. It's like the scene at, um, at the bar where the man hands him the, the tape. Right. And he just swells with um, sadness. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Ever managed to say anything. Yeah. But by saying nothing, he said more than he could ever say yeah. in a sentence. Yeah. Um, I think that, to use a an example for what you're sort of feeling about this movie, I guess it's going between is like I didn't get entertained by this, but I got a lot of yeah. artistic value out of it, and I think it's good. But like, do I like it necessarily? I don't know. Mm. Um, I was talking about a film that's totally on the other side of the spectrum, but at the same time, the same uh, feeling I have towards it. Um, a little film known as Forrest Gump. Um, oh, yeah. Where's this one yeah. going? <laughs> because I was talking to uh, a person about Forrest Gump and they were like, that is a really great movie. And I was immediately like, eh, eh. And then I like, and then, you know, I called myself and like, oh, am I being a snob? I remember really liking that movie when I watched it. And then the last time I was like, this is sort of stupid. It's like, it doesn't have to be one thing. I think it's entertaining and then, I also get like kind of offended that <laughs> the disabled guy is played by a non-disabled person. Yeah. And then I also feel like this movie is like Oscar bait, but then I also feel that it's like super beautiful in those moments. And then 
and like a really great pop culture icon. Yeah. And then I feel all these ways at the same time. Yeah. And, um, and I also think it's about- is, you know, in our Western society, we, you know, deal with the binary. So that's often like frowned upon yeah. whatever. And at and over the course of this conversation, I went from going, uh, I don't know about that movie to being like at the end or one of the things I was like, oh, no, I love that movie. And I feel both. Yeah. It's really the honest thing. But the person I was talking to is like, you just said two different things or like different things about the thing. And I'm like, well, that's, yeah, that's how I feel. (laughs) Cognitive dissonance. Um, I think it's also very much about like you can dislike a movie and have a very strong personal relationship with it. Like I, I, there's a lot of movies that I don't think are that great, but I have an extremely like personal relationship with or like that I think are good movies, but I just don't yeah. feel a connection to it. Right. And I think that's like, that's what I found. I think that's what, how a lot of people function with music. Like music is like a, a snapshot in some people's lives. Like I met some someone who uh, they make a new Spotify playlist for every three months of their life. So they have like this catalog going back like five years of all of these playlists, yeah. which when, you know, when they and go friend back, of the show, Kyle does that as well right, right. For every month right um, um i believe and so that's just like a, an emotional snapshot of you because yeah. you, know, you listen to that music long enough to associate it with certain memories places times people whatever and then at any point in your life you can just go back to that place because of the relationship yeah. you have with that so i feel like that's probably how it functions with a lot of movies yeah. too i could talk about that actual playlist thing for a while but yeah, i won't i'll talk about the movie more we could do a um, mu- musical movies. podcast now let's not do more. that <laughs> We know nothing about this. We don't know anything about it. <laughs> but I like music. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I played a um, note and it was fun. I was this movie has great music, as you said yeah. earlier, and so does all of his films. Like, fucking fantastic choices. And almost always, other than, you know, the end song in this, songs that I haven't even heard, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool. I love getting introduced to songs via a movie and having that like connection to the thing. And I was, we're going to talk about the connections we have with movies and liking and disliking and not having a binary to it. I I think like a good example of that, that a lot of people, even uh, the casual film watcher, so fucking dickish to say, but (laughs) a loser, (laughs) (laughs) even a lame-o would think that like a horror movie, the point of the movie is to get fucking scared nah. and to like dislike the experience to an extent. Yeah. Right. So, but at the same time, you still want to fucking do that because that's <laughs> the point of doing it. I want to you know? feel something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, I'm a self harm. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit. Yeah, it's more like, it's more like a roller coaster where you just like yeah. enjoy the sort of adrenaline of it, you know? Yeah. I, I reckon we can wrap it up here. I think then. so too. Um, Big dog. So, uh, as we said before, Let's talk about gay stuff. First. It's, yeah, I was going to say it's Pride Month, baby. Um, yeah. Where does this movie sit in your catalog of homosexual stories or queer stories? I think this one is like incredibly poignantly beautiful and representative of the conflict of you know any relationship, but particularly yeah. a queer relationship. Um, often in an era like this, a queer relationship is going to be maybe dealing with people that are less emotionally developed 
than they might be if they weren't that mm. because they haven't been able to have those experiences because of society around them. Yeah. Um, and that this film sort of represents that quite incredibly well and just has these incredibly tender moments that will move you to tears next to these other moments that are like maybe fun and 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 maybe as we said earlier maybe a bit inane or whatever it is um and then coupled with being just shot shot so beautifully i think it's a great testament to uh queer cinema and um yeah it's where it sits is in the list mm. of movies that especially movies that are like important um for queer culture because this being a Chinese film yeah. about being gay it, that was directed in 1997 and then caused controversy, it's important in that way. Yeah. So, yeah. I think um, I, I sort of feel a different way. I think that it's not necessarily like a queer film. Like, I mean, it's obviously, it's obviously about a gay relationship, but like I think the thing that strikes me is it's yeah. just sort of coincidental that they happen to be two men, you know? It's, like, yeah, such a universal, like, depiction of a relationship that is, like, they have problems that Disjointed. aren't... Yeah, they have problems yeah. that aren't specific to two men in a relationship, right? And mm-hmm. in that way, I think it's... I mean, it's great for anyone who might have trouble identifying with, like, like seeing the similarities and differences between a heterosexual relationship and a homosexual relationship, right? Like... Yeah. It's just, they just happen to be two dudes. Like, Wong Kar Wai yeah. said of this, he said, I don't like people to see this film as a gay film. It's more like a story about human relationships and somehow the two characters involved are both men. Normally I hate movies with labels like gay film, art film, or commercial film. There is only good film and bad film. <laughs> well, <laughs> I agree with half of that, Wong. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, also you have a more of authority to talk on that, so that's true. <laughs> go off. Point, as I say. <laughs> that's true. Um, uh, to get a bit personal, I this film represented something that I hadn't really seen, which is like what a lot of my gay romances have felt like a bit, where there's like the um, sensual side of it, which is quite enjoyable, but I'm not like as into the maybe like more tender and you know like the physical hugging. side of it yeah yeah or well even like maybe the emotional side uh, not right. as much yeah um especially in the first um with the guy I don't, I, the character that seems to be a bit in denial or you know just the one not, with broken hands yeah just not as um Hopo wing deeply in love as the other one or lay you fight that one who's always mad so to me, it was That's fine. <laughs> quite special for that because I hadn't seen that before. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, I really relate to that. Yeah. Um, That's nice. A lot of uh, queer cinema I've seen is like so powerfully emotional. Yeah, it's very um, intense, like physically and emotionally. Yeah, whereas like. this is like about how for one of them it isn't powerful. Yeah. Emotional. So that was really great for me to see. So Yeah, yeah that's good. That's where it is. Lovely. Um, well, I wanted to finish by just naming a few of, uh, our other, our favorite other, um, queer films and stories. Um, I, okay. I think we've named, we've talked about a few of these four. Obviously we did an episode on Call Me By Name. That is a super special one. Um, we did a list of them on our did. Instagram story. Yes, we did. Yeah. As well. But list. I reckon it's good to put it, 
put it here on the show. Definitely. I actually have like a little list that is made just for this called Gay! Gay! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Moonlight, I don't know if we've talked about that on the show, but Moonlight is, I think, one of my just like one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Just fucking One of those movies that you just tell people, just watch it. Yeah, it's so incredible. Um, Yeah. The Last of Us, the video game, the um, Last of Us 2 and uh, the um, fucking DLC for the first one is sort of where the um, Ellie's queer story comes into play. Um, but yeah. that's just like a nice bit of representation where it's not necessarily about like a character's struggle against the oppressive world, but it's more just like there is a sort of action situation and there is romance and that romance just happens to be a gay one, which is like, it's a nice one. It's a good romance. Like it's, it's successful and dramatic and makes you cry and stuff. So it's nice. Um, the, I wrote one, oh, Portrait of Lady on Fire. fire. Yes. I wrote down P-O-A-L-O-F and I was reading it like, what the fuck did I mean? (laughs) Um, Portrait of Lady on Fire. We were actually going to do that one for our- Pink, uh, orange, (laughs) pink, large- on fire. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. That's the movie. That's actually That's the, the title of my memoir. Um, we were going to do that movie for Pride Month, but we just didn't get around to it. Um, I'm sure we'll do it at some point because it is spectacular. But it is, at, like we were just mentioning, it is one of those ones where, like, the relationship is extremely, like, uh, intense. Um, so it's not mm-hmm. very different one to something I have together. Um, Brokeback Mountain, which is one of the more well-known ones, but is still just lovely. Um, it's Heath Ledger. It's a Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal movie, and there are a couple of beautiful boys who kiss, and there are a couple. It's also couple a bit of cowboys. That, uh, has a bit of that, like you know, about uh, two gay men who have not confronted their sexuality, yeah, and are like totally uncomfortable. Yeah, with them, it's which is, and probably very, the most well-known movie that depicts that. Yeah. Um, very yeah very good very cool um and also um there is an episode of uh there's an episode of black mirror um the series on netflix called san junipero um which is probably my favorite episode it's also one of the few episodes on that of that tv show which isn't just doesn't doesn't leave you with like existential crisis by the end of it um because it's a nice ending um and And is it, that that episode is incredibly valued by the queer community. Right, that's um, good. I always see it in lists of like the best queer movies and stuff. I'm like, yeah. that is an episode of a show. Yeah, it's but amazing, it's also right? like a short film. So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, and our transition point will be on my list is also uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, if you're a lesbian. Or a legend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then it goes Persona by Igmar Bergman. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that one. Um, And then My Own Private Idaho, Mm -hmm. um, which you should watch. Yes. I haven't seen it. Very much in the realm of uh, um, Brokeback Mountain in a way. Yeah. Um, Younger and cooler. (laughs) Um, uh, The Watermelon Woman, which we've done on the show. Um, the Blood of a Poet, which is a real old film. Who's that and, by? Um, let's have a look, shall let's we? Let's do a little doodle. It, it, it's quite old. Um, what year, do you know? 1932. What? Oh, 32? Uh, oh, yeah, Jean uh, Couture. Couture. Great. Um, uh, it's based on um, Othello. 
Ah, Orpheus. cool. Yeah, okay. Uh, Orpheus. And, Orpheus. And, um, the Testament of Orpheus. I see. So it's a it's an art fuck film, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and it's only fifteen five minutes long. Um, but I really like it. Um, very poetic, obviously. And uh, Gerontophilia, I think is, that's how it's, it's said, which is about a young boy who falls in love with a much older man. Oh. Um, and that's, you know, um, fucking Chaos awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a fucking awesome movie. Um, Ettenberg, which is one of the only films I know of that is deals with, it, it's both about lesbian relationships and also asexuality. Oh, interesting. Um, which is really cool and you don't see very much. Yeah. The only other one I can think of is um, Nymphomaniac 2, which in the Nymphomaniac series is quite a great queer-coded series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Midnight Cowboy, yep. um, which is cool in the butt. Um, <laughs> and the butt. <laughs> and uh, Pink Flamingos, which is uh, hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but by the great queer director... Uh, John Waters. Sweet. Um, absolute legend. All right. There you go. You got enough gay there films to to finish out Pride Month. Jerk off and cry and <laughs> <laughs> do it all over Feel again. Feel real weird about it. Um, yeah. Fabulous. Uh, so we got a little, little special upgrade for all of our friends out there who have ears and they're using them to listen to our podcast. We've, uh, we've got a bit of an audience now and we thought we would uh, start trying to reach out to you guys and make some contact. So if you would like, you can email us at cinemangs at gmail.com uh, and you can send us in basically any, well, not anything, but, you know, within within uh, reason. Um, Just questions, so well, I guess. <laughs> que- yeah, but questions. questions but suggestions I- and lamentations i would also love it if you have any stories about movies that have had some kind of impact on your life or if you have any recommendations or you want to tell us why you love the movie or something then uh please send us send us in fucking essays and letters and whatever um if you would prefer they aren't read out on the show or if you would prefer they are done so anonymously, just please let us know in the email. But otherwise, um, yeah, we'd like to start yeah. sharing some lovely stories from our nice, nice sinner friends. Just put your anonymity level in the subject. Yes. And we'll go accordingly. Yes. Um, um, great. But yeah, so that's cinemangs at gmail.com, C-I-N-E-M-A-N-G-S at gmail.com. Please send us some words. We love words. We love it. Um, we love you. We love you. And also you can follow us on Instagram at Cinemanks Podcast and we love you. Goodbye. Oh, no, no. We didn't say goodbye. D- shut up, man. I love you. Goodbye, but it's spelled B-I. Goodbye, it? but it's spelled I space L-O-V-E space Y-O-U. <laughs> <laughs> love you. Oh, that was cute. That was a nice one. Cute. <laughs>